And officially, good morning, my friends. Good morning. Thank you. We're, uh, we're continuing in Matthew's account of the life of Jesus. If, you, if you've been with us for any length of time, uh, we've been in the common lectionary. And, and today, this common lectionary is bringing us, in Matthew's account, an encounter between Jesus, who we seem to talk about every week for, for good reason, and two different groups of Hebrew religious leaders. Um, Jesus kind of gets in a, an argument, a pretty heated debate with, uh, not even really a debate, because he kind of just, it's not a debate, Jesus kind of just takes it. So, uh, but it's an encounter between Jesus and two different groups of Hebrew religious scholars uh, from the first century Jerusalem. So let's pray this morning, and then we'll, 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 we'll dig into this text. Heavenly Father, Son Jesus, and Holy, Holy, Holy Spirit, This morning we bring our whole selves to you. We simply ask that as we listen to your word, and we listen to your word preached, that you would allow our thoughts and our words and our deeds to be transformed by these words. God, we pray all these things in your holy name. Amen. All right, so here is what we're going to do this morning. We are in Matthew chapter 15, uh, and we're going to do chapter 15, uh, the first 20 verses of this. But what we're going to do is we're going to deal with this text in a few different sections. We're going to take it kind of chunk, you know, we're going to chunk it out into, into, you know, multiple different sections. And we'll, we'll break it down as we go. And then at the end of our time in the Word, we're then going to give uh, some space for some, uh, some uh, prayerful consideration of the text with a, um, with a short uh, practice uh, at, the end of this, um, at the end of our time together this morning. And so we read here in uh, verse 1. Uh, so we're right here in verse 1. We finished chapter 14 last week. Well, we didn't get to the end of 14. The lectionary didn't do the last couple verses, but... It says, at that time, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute, but at that time, some Pharisees and scribes came from Jerusalem to Jesus. At that time, Jesus had just, and his disciples had just landed at uh, this place called Gennesaret. And so at that time, the Pharisees and scribes, some Pharisees and scribes, came from Jerusalem to Jesus, and they had a question for him. Why, they said, why do your disciples go against the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands when they eat their food. Why, Jesus replied, why do you go against the command of God because of your tradition? What God said was, honor your father and mother. And if anyone speaks evil of father or mother, they must certainly die. But you say, if anyone says to mother, father or mother, what you might have gained from me is given to God. They don't need to honor their father anymore. As a result, you make God's word null and void because of your tradition. So what we've got here are, you'll notice, two separate branches, as I mentioned in the beginning of the sermon, two different branches of Hebrew religious scholars from first century Jerusalem. It's important for us to understand the characters who are at play in this story this morning. And so Matthew simply writes, he goes, some Pharisees and some scribes. So some Pharisees. Now, Pharisees were religious rulers, Religious rulers who saw themselves as a separate group of people. They, were, they, they, they knew, they thought they were, they were a separatist group of, of the Judeo, um, 
you know, uh, religious uh, influence. And they saw themselves as separate groups of people, and they believed that they were above common people. It was kind of a caste system in a way. And they saw that the common, it, it was their, they thought it was their job to keep and to see that the common people kept to the religious laws and traditions. Then on the other hand, you had the scribes. Scribes were the closest that I can kind of figure out that who they were in our culture would be. They were kind of like lawyers. Um, they could interpret law. Uh, they, could inter they could regulate Jewish laws and traditions. But they didn't interfere with very often, and they didn't assume any role in the guidance of people. They left that up to the Pharisees, and then the priests were the ones who were, who were actually preaching. And so these men, uh, these religious experts in the law, or we'll find out they thought they were religious experts in the law, we can see that they went out of their way, out of their way to interrogate Jesus over this whole hand-washing thing, which is kind of interesting, seeming that we're in the year 2020 and we're still very concerned with the idea of uh, hand-washing. Um, but it looks like these Pharisees and scribes it looks like they traveled some 60 to 90 miles from the city of Jerusalem to this place where Jesus landed, Gennesaret. 60 some odd miles they walked to ask Jesus why he and his disciples aren't washing their hands before they eat. Like you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta get this picture in your head. You've got these guys walking 60 to 90 miles to ask Jesus why they're not washing their hands. Okay. And they're interrogating Jesus, and they're using this Hebrew idea of asmakta, okay? The Hebrew idea of asmakta is that, like, it's something that is hinted in the Bible, but it's not an actual law of God. And so it seems like they're getting this from Leviticus 15, where, 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 where God talks to the people about how it's a good thing to wash your hands before you eat, just like we would say it's a good thing right now to probably wash your hands when, you're, when you get home, right? Um, but what they were doing is they were taking this, idea, this Hebrew, Hebrew idea of asmakta, which was like a biblical kind of hint on something, and they were twisting it into an explicit requirement from God. Basically, these guys were making a huge deal out of nothing, okay? And so Jesus is like, wait a minute, you just walked 60 plus miles to ask me why we're not following this tradition that you guys have twisted? When at the same time, you guys are constantly picking and choosing the actual commands of God that you want to follow. And so Jesus pulls out one of these commands that, 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 uh, that, 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 that God has uh, brought here through, through, through the Ten Commandments, uh, through Moses to the Israelites. And one of the commands they were to follow was the fourth commandment, right? Or rather the commandment of, the, um, of honor your mother and father, okay? And so this command meant not in the least that they were to look after their parents in their older years, okay? This makes sense, right? That part of the command to honor your mother and father, to honor your parents, would be to take care of them in their older years. But this is where it really gets interesting here in our story today. It gets super interesting because in the Pharisees' tradition, they allowed people to bypass this command of God and instead take the money they would have used to take care of their mom and dad in their old age. And if they gave the equivalent of that money to the temple or to the religious rulers, then they were exempt from having to use the other half of that money to take care of their parents. And so think about it. Who 
would be the one who would benefit from these monies being invested in the religious systems and the economics of the temple. The Pharisees and these scribes. And so Jesus is calling them out here, right? It's much like partisan politics throughout history, right? And, and, and including today. Simply follow the money. Follow the money and you'll see what the true agenda really is. You, you, you can find the heart of any matter by simply following the money. And so Jesus now goes on the counterattack with these so-called leaders. And he's like, come on, guys. You're being so hypocritical. You're making us wash our hands before we eat, making that a command to God. But at the same time, you're twisting that command about honoring mom and dad simply because it benefits your economic status. And so he tells them that they're being hypocrites. He says, hypocrites. You hypocrites, he says. Isaiah had the right words for you in his prophecy. And this takes a twist here because uh, in... uh, the, the, these uh, Pharisees and scribes are about to get really upset because Jesus is going to quote scripture that they knew very well. And he says, this people gives me honor with their lips. And he's referring now to the Pharisees and the scribes. But their hearts, however, is far from me. They were, the worship which they offer me is only in vain because they teach as law mere human rules. This is a pretty damning statement on these so-called religious leaders from Jesus to them. And we'll see in just a minute that they take major offense at it. And so Jesus continues. He says, listen and understand. What makes someone unclean is not what goes into the mouth. We're in verse 10 here, okay? He's basically saying what makes someone unclean is not what goes into the mouth. It has nothing to do with whether your hands are dirty or clean when the food goes into your mouth. But rather, it's what comes out of the mouth that makes someone unclean unclean. This idea of clean versus unclean is a huge concept for Hebrews in the first century. There were a long list of things, a very long list of things that could make a person either clean or unclean. Or in layman's terms, we'd say someone who's either acceptable or not acceptable in the eyes of God in front of these rulers and their societal structures and traditions. And so in verse 12, we continue, then the disciples came to Jesus. So we get the sense now that the Pharisees are now out of the picture. Jesus spoke all that in front of the Pharisees and the scribes. Now the disciples are on their own with Jesus, and they come to him and say, hey, did you know that these Pharisees are horrified (laughs) when they heard what you just said? Uh, The Greek word here is actually to take offense at something. So the disciples told Jesus, hey, you know, these religious rulers are very offended. They're kind of questioning Jesus, like, why did you offend them? Because these men have a lot of political and ecumenical power, right? Follow the money, and you'll see where the true power lies. And so verse 13, if you're following along, Jesus is now speaking, and he tells them a parable of sorts. No, yes, a parable of sorts, because even Peter says, explain this parable. So he says, every plant that my heavenly Father hasn't planted, i.e. these traditions that are oppressing people, that these are not of my Father, He goes, these roots, these plants, will be plucked up by their roots. They're not going to be around forever, so just let them be. They're simply blind guides. But if one blind person guides another, eventually both of them will fall into a pit. So Peter speaks up and says, explain this parable to us. And Jesus goes, are you still slow as well? Do you not understand yet that whatever goes into the mouth travels on into the stomach and goes out into the toilet? 
The Greek word here would be sewer. So basically, Jesus is giving us a little bit of bathroom humor here, right, with his parable. Like, you know, hey, anything you put in your mouth, you know, eventually the, you know, the stuff that your body doesn't need is going to come out in, in your waste. It's going to come out in the sewer. But what comes out of the mouth, and this is where it gets really good, what comes out of the mouth begins in the heart. And that, he says, is what makes someone unclean. Because out of the heart, you see come evil plots, murder, adultery, fornication, theft, false witness, and blasphemy. Jesus says these are the things that make someone unclean. But simply eating with unwashed hands doesn't make a person unclean. Jesus just took to task these religious pastors of the day. Jesus just even took to task the disciples for not understanding it. Because Jesus is like, hey guys, this kingdom that I'm ushering in is not concerned with your hand washing. This kingdom is not concerned with your outward appearances of piety. This kingdom I'm building is not concerned with how well you follow the traditions of men. That's what Mark says in the same account. He calls, Jesus says he doesn't care about the traditions of men. But Jesus says, rather, this kingdom is more concerned with your heart, where your heart is, what the thoughts are of your heart, and the words of your heart, and the deeds that spring from your heart. You get the sense that Jesus is like, hey guys, you can wash your hands all you want. You can have the cleanest hands possible before you eat, but if you're still coming up with evil plots, these are the things he lists off. You can be as pious as you want. You can be as deeply outwardly pure as you want to be, but if you're still coming up with evil plots, if you're still killing people, if you're still invested in murder, if you're still killing people to advance your causes, if you're still cheating on your spouse, if you're still adulterating, if you're still leaving your family for this so-called better life that's out there, if you're making God's gift of sex an idol, if you're stealing from people to fund your agendas and your temples, if you're not telling your flocks the truth about who God is, if you're forcing people to follow these really strange traditions of men. And if you're desecrating God's name in your endeavors, that's what blasphemy is, to desecrate God's name in your endeavors to advance, he says, you're not even close to being clean. So Jesus is saying, you're not even close to being clean. And these are some pretty blunt words from Jesus this morning for those who are questioning him and his kingdom. These are some pretty blunt words for his disciples even all these years later to wrestle with. I think it's a reality that we all have to ask ourselves from time to time, probably daily, if we claim to follow the one who we call the Christ. Why do we do what we do? Where is the ways in which we follow Jesus coming from? Where is our heart in this whole Jesus kingdom building thing? Are we in it simply for acts of piety? Are we simply in it so that way people around us or that way we think God thinks that we're being holier than thou? Or do the thoughts we have, 
the words we speak and the actions that follow truly come from a spirit that can die to self, that can be crucified with Christ and raised again with him. It's kind of the question we're going to leave with today. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to throw on that Holy Ghost music. And we're going to simply spend a few moments this morning in contemplative prayer. We're going to meditate this morning upon our own thoughts, our own words, and our own deeds. As in, where are the thoughts, words, and deeds in our life coming from? From that inner place in our heart? From the Spirit? Or from somewhere else, a sense of personal piety? I'd just like to invite you to make yourself comfortable. Uh, we say this a lot when we do any engage in these spiritual practices. I just saw Abby do it. It's, I think, better to put your feet on the floor. There's something about grounding us into this entire thing that God has created. And simply notice your breath and notice that spirit coursing in and out of your lungs. Gracious God, we know we need not summon you into our midst for you are already here. We simply ask this morning that you would allow us to notice your presence, notice your spirit that is as close as the air we breathe. With whatever is going on in our life, we bring our whole selves before you now. We ask for your guidance. We ask that as we examine the thoughts, the words, and the deeds of our week. You would reveal to us who we truly are, not who we think we ought to be in front of you and the world. Help us to simply be still and to know, to truly know that we are your beloved sons and daughters and that no amount of piety can change that and that you listen without judgment or condemnation but in love. Please Speak, for your children are listening. Continue to notice your breath. Don't seek to control it. Just simply notice it as we go through this meditation. Notice that breath of Jesus' spirit. And ask God to reveal to you the thoughts that you had this past week. Think about the things you did this past week and what were some of the thoughts that entered into your mind as you were contemplating certain decisions this past week? What were the strongest thoughts you had as you lived your life, whether it be on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, all the way until this weekend? Were there any strong emotions and opinions that you held in your mind? What attitudes did you carry with you? What presumptions did you make? How did you perceive yourself this week? How did you perceive the situation you were in, the people, places, and events of this past week? Just take about 20 seconds or so and contemplate some of the feelings or rather the thoughts that you had this past week.
And as you were speaking with God, perhaps a particularly strong or influential thought came to mind. Try to just sit with that one thought for a moment. The strongest thought that came to mind. And ask yourself, what was the source of that thought? Was the source of that thought from the Spirit or was it from some other? Did that thought lead to greater or less spiritual freedom in your week? Did that particular thought lead to greater faith, hope, and love or lesser faith, hope, and love? Again, to spend about 20 seconds contemplating that one particularly strong thought trying to get to the root of where that thought came from. Please speak, Lord, for your children are listening. now we switch and we ask God to reveal to us the words that were spoken aloud this past week. What were the strongest or most important words that came from your mouth? Again, ponder the source of these words. Were they from your heart? Were they from the Spirit? Were they from the Holy Spirit or an anti-Holy Spirit? And simply give thanks. Perhaps give thanks for those words or, or ask for forgiveness on those words depending on the words that are coming to mind. Just sit for these words with these words for a moment. Did the words you spoke this week lead to greater or lesser spiritual freedom? Or did the words you speak spoke this week lead to a greater faith, hope, and love and a trust in Jesus or a lesser faith, hope, love and trust in Jesus. Just spend again just one moment, just 20 seconds, contemplating the words you spoke this week and where those words came from. Please speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Finally, in this last step, we ask God to reveal to us the deeds of our past week, our actions, if that is a little easier. What are the actions that happened this week as a result of your thoughts? What did you do this week that was loving and kind? What did you do this week that was perhaps unloving, unkind, or unhelpful? What was it that motivated your deeds? Again, did your deeds come from a place of the Holy Spirit or from some sort of an anti-spirit? 
Again, give thanks depending on these actions or ask for forgiveness. Just sit with these actions for a moment. Did your actions this week lead to greater or lesser spiritual freedom? Did your actions lead to a greater faith, hope, and love in Jesus or lesser faith, hope, and love for Jesus and your neighbor? For the last time, let's spend one more moment contemplating the actions you took this past week, just about 20 seconds. And we ask, please speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Father God, Son Jesus and Holy, Holy, Holy Spirit, as we move forward in hope, as we behold you, your life, your teachings, your subversive and sacrificial death on the cross, as we behold your subsequent glorious resurrection, ascension, and spirit, allow our thoughts, allow our words and our deeds just as we prayed in our confession this morning, to be pleasing in your sight so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Spirit of Jesus, give us the strength to face whatever it is that we face tomorrow. Give us the hope that you have overcome and give us the peace that surpasses all human understanding so that we allow our hearts to become transformed in your truth, so that our thoughts, words, and deeds may always lead to greater spiritual freedom, greater faith, hope, love, and trust in you. All this we pray in Jesus' name, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses just as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.